Hey, how you doing? This is Wade with Wade for Wireless. And welcome back for another episode of Wade for Wireless with all your wireless updates, news, and information. Just sit back and relax. Welcome to the new year. Hey, everybody. It's great to have you back, and I can't believe it's a new year. 2017. That's right. 2017. It's just started. So let's talk about 5G network slicing, because hopefully this year we'll see 5G, at least some uh, demos, some trial runs. You have AT&T Wireless and Verizon Wireless fighting over who's going to set a standard. You have the FCC, which didn't quite get there yet. Or you have 3GPP still trying to set the standards. But hey, while we can't have the standards for 5G just yet, let's talk about each slice of the network. First off, you're probably asking yourself, what is 5G network slicing? In fact, what is network slicing? Well, it's really slicing up the networks, and specifically here I'm going to talk about the wireless networks, to serve a specific purpose. You see, you can have one network to provide all services to everyone. That's basically what the carriers are trying to do now. Even though they have 2G, 3G, 4G, they're trying to get one service to provide everything. Now, along came the HetNet, the heterogeneous network. The HetNet allowed us to cut it up into small cells and Wi-Fi. You could have Wi-Fi serving people for data. And then they tried to get voice to work across everything. That's why the carriers want to come out with LTEU. But we're going to take it deeper than that. We're going to go a little farther than that than just say all data, all voice, data and voice, everything over LTE. We, we're still going to have LTE as a foundation for 5G. But now you can have different bands of LTE. And specifically, you can have a narrow band LTE channel set up for IoT, like meters and things like that. You could have a broadband set up with millimeter wave for virtual reality. You could have that. You could have video, which could be LTE, standard LTE, or it could be millimeter wave. You could have the CBRS, which is 3.5 gigahertz. And you could also have Wi-Fi serving also for video. You could have the autonomous cars network, which they're going to use probably, who knows what, probably the carriers network, they're probably going to drive themselves. I know talking to vehicle to vehicle to use 5.9 gigahertz. Then you're going to have smartphone users, which are going to use a little bit of everything, but probably mostly the standard LTE network. Then you're going to have the IoT remote rural sensors, like out in the middle of nowhere, which are probably going to be 900 megahertz, probably in the ISM band, at least here in the States. Who knows what they'll use elsewhere. But, I mean, you're going to have a lot of different networks serving a lot of different purposes. So why not have these networks go back into one core? This is where the carriers want to go, obviously, because they want to dominate everything. But if you can get everything to go back to one core or share a backhaul or share services, it becomes more cost efficient. So I looked into network slicing, and this is what it showed me is it's a fancy way to say different networks all connected to a common core. And that's how I see it. That's how 5G is going to be. But each one serves a purpose. You don't need broadband for everything. And the, th the thing that really is going to set this apart is IoT, because IoT specifically is going to not need the broadband. They're going to need the narrow bandwidth. And the, the thing that really sets it apart is the long battery life. You can't have the long battery life. You can't have it if it has to wake the device up all the time. 
See, what's going to set it up with the rural IoT, the reason I brought that up is because rural is going to be way out in the middle of nowhere. You may not have power. So you may have a device out there sitting by itself, running off battery, and you only want it to wake up when it has to. You want that battery to last a long time. Now, what do I mean by a long time? 10 years. So think about the different markets that 5G is going to be serving. You're going to have so many different things that we expect to connect wireless wirelessly. Autonomous cars, virtual reality, tons of IoT devices. I mean, that's what they say, millions, maybe billions of IoT devices. And obviously, we all want to make money off that, right? We either want to deploy it, we want to run the services, we want to have an app for it. And if you think it's not out there, look in people's homes now. I mean, you have smart blinds, you have smart lights, you have smart outlets, you basically have smart devices out there. But the thing about a home network, no one's making money off of the back services, except maybe the companies that sell them if they carry, if they carry, if they monitor analytics off of them, which I don't know if they're allowed to do without permission. I'm pretty sure you have to get permission before you do that. But anyway, they even have smart stoves and smart ovens. How cool is that? <laughs> that monitors the temperature or, you know, how long you cook. It's, it's just pretty wild. <laughs> I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing, but it's pretty neat, if nothing else. Probably cost a fortune. Anyway, I digress. Apologies. What resources are shared? See, this is where network slicing really gains value. In theory, we're hoping you can share backhaul. That's sort of a stretch because it just seems like each radio needs its own backhaul, but they're all gonna to come to a hub spot. So you could have multiple IoT sites that backhaul to say a macro site, and then they would use the carrier system to go wherever, right? Maybe through the core and back to where they have to go. So that's something they would share. But the big thing's the core. So you could have a common core with say a server in the core for each specific network, serving it, checking it. When I say checking it, you're gonna have like a triple A. You're gonna have authorization of a device. You're gonna have the accounting of the device, the way they bill, and I forget what the other A is. <laughs> oh, you're gonna have accounting, authorization. Yeah, and I'm just drawing a blank right now. But basically that's what you're gonna have. Okay, I remember the other A, it's authentication. You have to have it authenticate all the users on there. Authorization, make sure they're authorized. And then accounting, obviously how you build. You build by the minute, by the usage, by the ping, whatever. So your AAA servers are going to still play a part in this or something like that, right? In the core, they have some type of controller. But you're going to have a common core that controls all these different networks. And that's where we're going. Why duplicate any more services than you have to? And the other thing is the cost. We want to keep the cost down, especially for IoT. If IoT takes off as much as they think it will, we're going to need to be able to control it the most cost-effective way ever. In my opinion, the carriers aren't going to be able to do that. They're in this to make money. So I think what we're going to see is someone like Sigfox, who is already building out, who found the cost-effective way to do it. And they also found, you know, the right band, the 915 band. It's license-free. It's in the ISM spectrum. They're using that. They can get distance out of that. They've also come a long way in just letting the device sleep until they have to wake it up. So the receiver isn't working all the time. They have a lot of specialty items in there specifically for, say, rural IoT systems. So you got to think about that as well. Because with battery life being an issue, I mean, it's funny when you think of devices. You know, we never thought battery life would be so key until you have one and your battery dies all the time. 
And now that they're going to add on the LTE networks carrier aggregation, that's going to use even more battery. It's got to receive more. You know, it's got to look at two or three bands at one time. It's got to transmit on two or three bands at one time. It's just going to be a bigger drain on the battery. And I complain about batteries because I think they really should have come a long way. Let me just say this a lot farther than they have already. I mean, for crying out loud, batteries should be way better than they are in my opinion. But, you know, there's limitations. The lithium batteries are catching fire. <laughs> you know, look at that. Which Samsung device was it? Poor Samsung. I mean, you put a battery. And then it's not just them. You know, the Sony laptops. Remember when they were catching on fire? Hell, you can't go on a plane if you have one of those phones. Anyway, again, getting off the point. But the point is batteries have to last a long time. And if you have an IoT device, batteries have really got to be rugged. They not only have to last a long time, but they have to be able to take temperatures of extreme cold, extreme heat, and they have to stay alive, but they still have to connect wirelessly. I think one thing we're realizing is, in the U.S. anyway, is it expands. Wireless is the way to go. And you think it's something here in the U.S. We pretty much have a decent infrastructure, but when you look, say, a lot of countries with a lot of rural areas like Africa, or even in the Middle East, where they have a lot of rural areas, that's where we really need wireless. Those are the areas which these IoT devices are going to be key. Communication is going to be key. And I think when IoT comes out, we're going to find more cost-effective ways to communicate. We just are. We're going to have simple panic buttons for emergencies and things like that. If you're in a remote village and there's no cellular, no coverage, you could technically put in IoT devices, let's say a 915 that travel a long distance and have a way to communicate there. And they're already doing this with satellite. It's just they want a more cost-effective way of doing it. I'm a fan of satellite and VSAT and things like that, but it's just not cost-effective. I thought they're working on it. It's not there yet. It takes a long time to launch a lot of birds. Satellite we call birds. Launch a lot of birds in the sky and communicate. It's a lot of time, a lot of money, and you're really hoping on a decent payback. Anyway. Again, getting off point. These networks, so when you think of network slicing, these networks will be running in parallel to each other, each one independent of the other. Each one serves a specific service. So with the growth of, say, SDN and VFM, each one is going to have a network that basically should, in theory, control itself. The one thing we're not quite where we should be yet is the SON self-optimizing network. But in theory, they're going to optimize themselves the best they can. You know, you either have coverage or you don't. It's either going to work or it isn't. So each one of these networks, just picture like four or five networks lined up. One serves smartphones. One serves IoT devices in rural areas. One serves, say, the utility meters, and it just reads the meters because meters you have to read more often, say once a day, once a month, once a week, something like that. In rural areas, you may not want to read a sensor except maybe once a month. And if it goes off, you still want to listen because, say, uh, Let's say you're monitoring water levels somewhere like New Orleans. Well, New Orleans, if you're monitoring water levels, you definitely want to get an alert the minute that thing goes off because you know that the water's rising and that the levees are going to be uh, weakened, let's say, or at least being tested. That's what you have to do. You have to have a network there to monitor all that. You want to be able to put sensors out everywhere, and you don't necessarily want to run copper or fiber to every sensor. One, it's not cost-effective. Two, if there is a massive storm, you're hoping the wireless hangs in there and works. Whereas when, say, a wire line might get shorted out, might get pulled down, you know, the wind could blow it over. That's why wireless is so key in many of these areas. So while they're all interconnected, 
They're all going to have individual wireless networks connected back to a common core, and the core is going to monitor everything. The core is the key connecting point to all these networks. So running on the cloud should really help with the efficiencies, the latency. Latency is going to be huge. We want to keep latency as low as possible for the IoT devices. For smartphones, not as much of a deal for virtual reality. Latency is important, but you're going to run everything on the cloud near the device probably. So that's why you keep latency down, but they need massive bandwidth. And again, when I talk these networks, uh, specifically about network splicing, network slicing, I'm looking at all of them. I'm looking at IoT, smartphone, autonomous networks, virtual reality, IoT, you know, and when I, all this stuff, like, think about what you're going to have out there. You, it's going to be more than smartphones and laptops and things like that, which is what we always thought was cool in the past. Now you're going to have vehicles, autonomous cars. Now you're going to have internet everywhere for anyone that wants it. You're going to have devices out there that you can control. You're going to be able to look at meters real time, water meters, electric meters, gas meters, real time and see exactly what's there, which a lot of this is here now. It's just it needs to be built out on a larger level. Autonomous cars, again, you're going to be able to provide internet cars. You're going to be able to track cars. You're going to be able to see exactly where they are. And you're also going to be to control, be able to control them and alert them of accidents ahead of time. You're going to have virtual reality where at a remote area, they can see like a sports sporting event in 3D. How cool is that? Can you imagine that? I mean, you're halfway across the country and you can see, say, the Super Bowl here in the States, uh, U.S. football. You can see the Super Bowl in 3D coverage. Or if you're a fan of soccer, you could see it anywhere in the world. You could see your team playing in 3D coverage. You could see the entire field. It's just incredible. And think of all the other devices that I haven't even mentioned. Water sensors, water meters for emergencies, for hurricane sensors, things out in the ocean that we can control. We're going to be able to control other devices like boats. We're going to be able to talk to trains. We're going to have more computers controlling things like that, like virtual reality and trains and artificial intelligence and in boats. Like a boat will be able to do almost anything out there uh, remotely, and you'll just be able to monitor it. Plus, if there's a storm coming and you're in constant connection with it, you can tell it to come back. If it's in a canal, a river, or not too far off the ocean shore. Anyway, I'm just selling you a dream here. That's all I'm doing. <laughs> Let's dream big because it's all out there. It's going to happen. I'm here to help you get there and I'm, help, I'm here to help you understand it. So there's a lot of customers out there too. So you could really pick your niche, decide your customer, and then just figure out how to connect them. Hey. While this is a slice of heaven, <laughs> sorry, I couldn't resist. We expect each slice to be running independent of each other, although they share a common core. Core is a common connecting point. All right, everyone, be smart, be safe, and pay attention. See ya. Mm -hmm.